It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Here's your host. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a great one today coming up uh, in a little while in the second hour of our three-hour tour. A couple of authors have uh, teamed up to write a book called Prison by Any Other Name, talking about alternative sentencing and, and uh, how ultimately uh, that ends up imprisoning more people than uh, what prisons do. Uh, Victoria Law will be joining me, perhaps her co-author as well, Maya Shenwar, will be here. And then uh, during the third half of our three-hour tour, I'm going to talk with uh, he's a, a um, literary professor at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. He's written several books, but his new book is a little bit more personal, called Parkinson's Blues, and we're going to talk about that. But first, joining me by phone right now is uh, somebody who's actually helped steer a lot of people to my show. We've had many conversations off the air about uh, the Michigan Democratic uh, Party and its inner workings, uh, including the Black Caucus and um, many uh, um as I said, candidate referrals and so on. Um, and she's uh, she's been a political activist for as long as I know her. Her name is uh, Pamela Gerald, and she joins me now by phone. Hi, Pam. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? And a very happy Monday to you. Thanks. Um, and, and Mondays don't usually start out this good, Pam. It's, it's a treat to talk to you. Um, I, well, I, I hope I make your day every time I talk to you. Well, that's true. Well, you know... You're my favorite Oakland County political activist. Oh, wow. You just <laughs> made my year fantastic. Now, that's a compliment that I don't even know if my husband can outdo that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, just recently, you were telling me that uh, you had taken an interest in serving on the board for a Security Credit Union, that you're a member there. And they did something recently that's part of a national conversation that's going on. Um, in the wake of the George Floyd killing and all of the protests that erupted, and not just the George Floyd killing, but the killing of uh, many uh, 
African Americans at the hands of police, there's been a defund the police movement. And in response to that, a number of people have said, this is a small group of people who who commit these horrific crimes, and we shouldn't condemn all police for the actions of a few. And so we see that played out in things like um, seeing uh, uh, Facebook posts about Blue Lives Matter and I Support the Badge. And you said Security uh, Credit Union did one of these, put up a, a sign on their marquee that said, We Support the Badge. And that, that you and some others took, uh, took offense at that. And, and I, w- I want to dig into that and see what's, what's offensive uh, about it. And um, did you get the sense that, that they were um, being intentionally discriminatory or, um, or insensitive? Well, I think it was uh, more so being just colossally incompetent to the whole process of what's been going on and what is currently happen- happening in America. We do have a problem with two different justice systems. We do have a problem with racial inequality, um, and we just have a lot of cops right now that have not taken their oath to protect and serve seriously. And the world witnessed George Floyd being murdered right on TV. So for the credit union to put up a sign that said specifically, we back the badge, I thought was very insensitive because they didn't qualify the statement. I was put in touch with a posting on Facebook that said the credit union apologized and that they were trying to say that they report that they support first responders, well, why didn't you say we support first responders? When you put a sign up there that says we back the badge, it sends a very delicate message to the people that are being oppressed that regardless to what happens, if a cop is good or bad, that you back the badge. And that's the wrong message to put up at a time when we are in perilous times racially, when we've got someone in the people's house that's causing a lot of uh, racial tension and flare-ups, and he's doing it intentionally. He's speaking to his base, and I don't want my credit union to do that. And, and that's a fair point, but I was hoping that in talking about security credit union and i don't want to single them out because they're not the only ones who are who have made this mistake of maybe framing what they wanted to say in not the best way um you know supporting the badge the badge becoming a symbol for some of the misbehaviors of people who wear the badge and so I'm, I'm hoping we can open the conversation up. Perhaps some people that want to join us. The the number is eight one zero three three nine eight two five five. As we as we talk about this and try and figure out, in what ways can we support public safety, and and um, first responders, um, without appearing to um, ignore 
the flaws in the system? Well, Tom, I, I can address that issue, but I also want to tell you something else in reference to my credit union that I'm not real happy about. So here's what can be done to ease racial tensions. First of all, you have to admit that there is a problem and that there are two justice systems, and it's sad to say that in the 21st century. I can tell you what happened in my community in the city of Southfield. In 2012, we fought to get the right police chief for the job. And the, the perception from the community was had they selected the other chief, we would have been dealing with our own George Floyd situation potentially. So we advocated to get the right chief in the job. And what this chief did, he reached further out into the community before there was ever any racial flare-ups. And he decided to start a Citizens Academy, which I was one of the first people involved in that program. And what that did was it showed the community that the police department was about trust, building that relationship, and also reaching out to the people that were considered the top advocates in the city. And it's no mistake that I've been around the city of Southfield for almost 40 years, and I've been very outspoken and very passionate about my residents and about, about my community. So he started this Citizens Advisory Board. Now, I, uh, just I, pardon my... I the, mean, the Citizens Academy, I'm sorry. Pardon the interruption, Pam, but okay. was this police chief African-American? Yes, he was. He was the second African-American chief that we ever had, and he took over from the first chief, african-american that we fought to get and he retired because hillary clinton called him to secretary of state hillary clinton pardon me called him to come and work for the government so he retired only for that reason and then there was two candidates that they were trying to select between and we thought that the african-american candidate was the better candidate for the job he had the educational background he had been to the police academy um police command uh, program for the chiefs. He had been through the FBI Academy in Quantico. So we thought he had more sensitivity, more maturity, and he understood the relationship between the community and the police, which became our community policing model. So, yes, we made sure that we got the right chief. So in this 14-week program in this Citizens Academy, we learned why the police do a lot of things that they do. And until you learn the intricate part of it, when you see a stop and it's five police officers with one African-American, most people will think that it's racial profiling. And sometimes it is, but it's not always the case. So as we went through this program, we learned a lot. Things was clear to us. It was clear to the police the perceptions that they needed to do a little bit more to correct the perceptions and build that relationship. The program went so well that after the first class graduated, the police chief decided to start a police advisory board. And once again, I was one of the first members. So we act as the conduit between the community and the police department. So if we get complaints from the community, we deliver those complaints in our monthly meetings that we had with the police chief, 
and the community policing officers. And it's going on, going on nine years later, and it's a very good thing. And that trust was built. And the cops that were not good cops, that did not fit the model of the police department, they were terminated. And that's exactly what should happen. And this was under uh, an African-American chief or a, a white Absolutely. police? Absolutely. Okay. It was under an African-American chief. Do you think it's... With a predominantly uh, white police department, but I would say over the years it evolved, so it's half and half. But you, they have a very good uh, relationship with the people in my community. Do you think it's important that, uh, that police departments look like the people they serve? I do agree with that because it's more cultural than it is diversity, and I'll give you a classic example. So if you're a white police officer in a predominantly African-American community and you stop a gentleman, a young guy, a cool young guy, and he's cool because all the girls like him at school and he's popular in the community, he might be an athlete, when you stop a young guy, they might say something like, yo, dog, why did you stop me? If the police officer doesn't understand the cultural aspect of the community and how younger people speak in that cool dialect to each other, he may mistake that to be he was disrespected. Right. And then all the dynamics change. Right. I, I do want to mention that we had somebody call in um, who was uh, actually... Um, from the Flint area, but talking about that uh, uh, sign on uh, Security Credit Union, and and uh, she didn't want to go go on the air, but she uh, said that uh, that she backed you up a hundred percent and said that she thinks it's a, it's a top down thing that that sign was posted um, during uh, some of the peak Black Lives Matter protests, and that it was uh, intentional um, to. Um, uh, as as a rebuttal to the messages that were being carried out by the protests, if you know what I mean by that. that I, I do know what you mean, and you know what, Tom? Security Credit Union has a marketing department, and all of these people report to the CEO and the president. I don't think that anything like that could be posted on electronic sign without the agreement of the CEO and the president. And shame on the marketing department, marketing department for not being sensitive and understanding that when you don't clarify what it is that you're doing and you just put it out there on a sign, you leave it open for the wrong interpretation or the right interpretation. Well, marketing departments uh, usually don't want to take anybody off, so that's a little surprising. And, and again, the caller was uh, backing you up and saying they thought that it absolutely came from the president of uh, Security Federal. And I, and I don't want to stay on Security Federal. Not I don't Security wanna... Federal, it's Security I'm sorry. Credit Union. I'm yes, sorry. Security I'm... Credit Union. We used to be Security Federal Credit Union. Yeah, I had a little flashback. we merged with Lapeer County Community Credit Union. I had a little flashback moment the there, Pam. My apologies, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, we need to take a break right now. Can you can you stand by for three or four minutes and and then we'll talk some more? Yes. 
Because okay. I want them to know about We'll be uh, right back To run for board of directors That spells Tigger And don't forget to remember To listen to Tom Sumner program On account of because He's so bouncy <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine community-focused, and community-supported. Your calls matter. Join me and Andrea weekdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern to talk about whatever you want to talk about. The Tom Sumner Program has open phone lines Monday through Friday to hear from you. How's 2020 working out for you so far? How about those damn roads? Call in live at 810-339-8255. It's all about you. We'll be streaming live at TomSumnerProgram.com and simulcast on WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint. Foil hats are optional. You thought you had every Elvis record made, but wait, Elvis sings again, this time from heaven. That's right, Elvis from heaven. Yes, hear Elvis from Graceland in the Sky. Soul-stirring versions of epic proportions. You'll hear Elvis crooning, Pearly Gate Rock. All dug up. Lying in the Chapel and 11 others. This record also includes a special Elvis message. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Elvis Presley. Order before midnight tonight and receive this Elvis Presley commemorative casket keychain. Open it up. Yes, the king inside. A must for any Elvis fan. Order yours today. To order your Elvis from Heaven, send $9.95 in check or money order to Elvis from Heaven, P.O. Box 714, Cleo, Michigan, 44487. Or save COD charges and phone 555-5554. Use Master Charge or Visa, Canadian Residence, add $3. 
Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Tom Sumner program.com The Tom Sumner program.com This is Congressman Dan Kildee and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with uh, uh, Pamela Gerald, who uh, joins me by phone from Southfield. Um, and and uh, Pamela, during the last segment, we were talking about uh, um, some of your past political activism and, and some of what happened with the uh, Southfield Police Department. We've also been talking about Security Credit Union, who I I, I, I don't want to throw any particular business under the bus. I want to talk about this in as broad a terms as we can, because one of the things, and we're, t- we're talking about um, implicit and uh, explicit racism, and... Um, and and there seems to be some thought that that this sign that was uh, on the Rita boards at uh, at Security Credit Union saying we back the badge we've seen that on Facebook and other places uh, uh, from different individuals and organizations um, and and let's let's pick it up from there. The apology that was put on Facebook says that we apologize for being insensitive, and we really wanted to say that we report that we support first responders. Why didn't you say that? We support first responders. Period. That's what you hear from all of these other national and international corporations. They say it exactly the way they mean it. But see, Tom, it's not all about the sign. It's about the lack of diversity, the lack of racial equality, gender equality, and inclusion, even on the board of directors. Oh, ag- agreed. And, and and we'll get back to that in just a minute, but I want to go back to something you said when you were talking about the, the uh, Southfield Police Department talking about the importance of police departments looking like the people they're supposed to protect and serve. And you were talking about they might actually understand jargon a little bit better. And and so if somebody uses a term that's that's just a, a common phrase that young kids use that are that are trying to be cool, um, that they might. Um, uh, that police officers might might be offended by that with no good reason, and if somebody that understands the community better would uh, that would be less likely to happen, and and so you wouldn't have these these traffic stops that that spin out of control and end up with uh, horrible results. Um, so. The day of the, of the George Floyd situation when everybody in the world witnessed him be murdered by this one police officer, I immediately called my police chief and I said, we need to make sure that anybody getting stopped in our city, which is only 26.3 square miles, the city of Southfield, that they are treated with decency and respect. And I already know that that's the case. 
but we have to go a little bit further. So what I suggested to him, my husband and I, because we work as a team, I suggested that we come up with a protocol for when our officers stop someone in the city of Southfield. And he agreed. So you get a card. The first thing that cop is going to do is present you with a know your rights when you are stopped card. And it tells you that when you're stopped by a police officer in the city of Southfield, you are entitled to know their name, their badge number, and the reason why you're being stopped. And we hope that the communications go well. If you feel that the officer is not communicating with you and their very best based on the way they was trained, it also tells you how to get a supervisor on the scene. But the chief took it a little bit further and also agreed with me that we needed to do something in terms of the policy for policing. And he really upped the ante on a police officer's responsibility to do what they call duty to intervene. When you're watching a situation and you know it's not proper police protocol, you are obligated as that partner on the scene to intervene to say this is not proper. So we did a lot of those things. Uh, happy to say that my chief took all of our recommendations, and it's a policy. And if you don't follow the policy, if you disrespect the constituents in the city, you're going to be fired. But I, but I also want to ask the, um, I, I want to get back to this example that you gave of uh, a young person being stopped, black or white, and um, trying to be cool and saying, you know, yo, what, what up, dog? And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, one cop might be very offended by that. Another one might, might say, you know, um, ain't nothing to it, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, but. What about the flip side of that? What about people um, who, you know, want to express an interest in supporting the, the hardworking men and women of law enforcement that try to do the right thing every day and really are there to try to help, um, whether you call them first responders or public safety people or law enforcement personnel, um, you know, the... The first responders is great because it also includes, you know, paramedics and firefighters and all of these other people that do all this amazing work. But aren't we on all sides of the issue a little too thin-skinned? Don't we get offended a little too easily? Tom, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. People, African-Americans... And what we have suffered, the injustices, the fights in the 21st century, the fight to still have basic rights, you become numb after a while and you know or you feel that it's just a process. And I think at some point in time, America is going to have to realize the damage that's been done. And this is where the distrust comes from. It is two different ways to police. And here's another example. The white boy that went across the state with the AR-15, killed two people, blew off one guy's arm, and he's walking with his AR-15 straddled across his body, 
And here's a guy that walks back to his car, and the police says, I shot him because he had a knife, and it was possible that he was going to get the knife and do something to me, but he didn't do it. And here's this guy, came across state lines, under 18, committed a felony because he's got an assault uh, weapon under the age of 18, kills two people, blows off the arm of the other person. He got a chance to go back across the state line, go home to get arrested the next day. Two different justices. But, Tom, it just it, it goes deeper than that. In every aspect of our society, there's these constant racial inequalities, gender inequalities, and I want to talk about my efforts to run for the board of directors with my credit union. Eighteen years ago, I tried to get on the board. The only thing that I ever got was send us your signature for your proxy. I was never able to get the bylaws. I was never able to really find out how do I go about doing this. Eighteen years moving forward, I'm a housewife, so I thought this is a great thing that I would, you know, try again to be on the board of directors. Just calling into a credit union that I've been a member of ever since I was in elementary school, when my mother opened up all of her, uh, opened up accounts for all of her children, and we still have those credit union accounts today, that it was an arduous thing, like, what do you want the bylaws for? If I'm a member and I'm an investor in this credit union, meaning I have shares, why can I not call and get whatever it is that I want when I'm one of the owners? Because the members own the credit union. The members are at the top of the organizational chart, then it's the board of directors, and then it's the CEO slash president and everybody else under there. Why am I not able to get this? So I tried very hard in the most professional way to try to get everything I needed to know for this upcoming election, which is going to be a virtual meeting on October 27, 2020, at 3 o'clock p.m. Now, why is the meeting virtual? When the credit union tells me only two to five people show up. So if it's five board of directors, the CEO, that's six. The two to five people that show up, that's either eight to 11. And then my husband and I, why can't you have an in-face meeting? Well, I'll tell you why. Let's do it virtual, and then maybe we can block her saying things and, and, and really putting the policy out there because the host of the virtual meeting can mute you. So here's my problem with my credit union that I love so much and have loved since I was in elementary school. Currently on the board, Tom, there are... It's all white, all men, and all over the age of 70. I don't know how proficient these guys are, but we just lost our chairperson of the board, Mr. Kenneth Scott, and he appeared to know a lot and know a bit more than the people that were on the board, and this is why he was the chairperson. So we just lost him, and we need to have younger people in line to take over when these people either retire or pass away. Nobody expected for Mr. Kenneth Scott to pass away. He did. Someone should be trained to move into that particular spot. 
because all of them are going to retire. We're all going to pass away. But you've got to train the people so that you can pass the baton. Currently, there are no black voting people on the board. There are no women on the board. And nobody is under the age of 70. I'm under the age of 70. I'm African American. I'm a female, college educated, proficient in Robert's Rules of Order. So I bring a lot to the table. I'm an excellent fundraiser. I have worked in diversity for many, many years, moving across the state of Michigan, showing communities how to be diverse and, and the things that you have to do. So why would my credit union not want me to be a part of the, the, the board of a place that I've loved since I was a kid? Well, Tom, it's even been so arduous and disrespectful that the CEO had a lawyer from Southfield to send me a letter asking me to cease and desist. And obviously they didn't Google me to check me out. I am not going to cease and desist my efforts to get on that credit union board. This lawyer even fabricated something in his statement. He referred to Mr. Kenneth Scott, who's the deceased chairperson, just as that, the deceased former credit union chairperson. This lawyer had the audacity to ask me not to talk to Mrs. Joanne Scott or Mrs. Kenneth Scott. You are not her lawyer. She's never met you. She doesn't know you. And they used her name to intimidate me to say, you reached out to her. She doesn't want to talk to you, and she doesn't want you to call her. This woman met her husband, Mr. Kenneth Scott, when she was 16, married for 55 years, I would think a woman that's that worldly can say, don't call me no more. I reached out to her because she lost her husband. My husband and my family, we were going to send a flower. So I called the funeral home. I left a message. She called me back. She said, I appreciate you calling me. Um, and then I said, I looked at your husband's picture did he ever referee basketball? And she said, yeah. I said, for Bryant Junior High School? She said, yeah. And we laughed. I played basketball starting forward at my junior high school on the girls' basketball team. He was one of our referees. Very Pam, sad. let me ask you this, because the situation that you're describing exists in a lot of organizations. And um, in the wake of uh, the George Floyd killing and other killings and, and the, uh, the protests, we are at a point, um, again, in American history, where I, I don't think anybody who saw the George Floyd video, certainly not anyone that I know, wasn't deeply affected and offended by that. And I don't care what, what color or socioeconomic background or demographic that, that they belong to. Um, it, these are horrendous things that are happening. And it's, it's brought an awareness to situations like the one you're describing that maybe had gone unnoticed for way too long. But now that, that we're at that point where we've identified that there is a problem what what is it that you would have people do 
to make things different. That's that's the thing I know for myself and a lot of other white people that we're asking. I mean, the fact that we have to be anti-racist is new information. Not being racist was good enough a year ago, five years Tom, ago. It, it goes do you know what I mean? Into the, yes, I do. It goes even into the school system. And what I could say to people, African Americans, we do our due diligence to try to get involved, to advocate, to educate, and talk about the racial disparities, the lack of uh, racial equity in most of these institutions. And I can certainly testify to that. Inequality. And I can huh? certainly testify to that about you because I, I know the things that you've done, the work that you've done with the, the Michigan Democratic Party, with the Southfield Police Department, what you're trying to do with your credit union. I, I mean, you have a long history of getting inside and, you know, explaining this is what we need to do. And in some cases, you've been very effective. In some cases, you run into a brick wall. That's, that's the nature of uh, trying to change. But, and you um, know what I've done, Tom? When I run into the brick wall, I keep pouring the water of love over it, and eventually water can cave in a wall. And that's what I've had to do. And it, and it goes back to what you said. When you answer in a cool way, yo, what's up? Then they think that you're not qualified. But when you come to the table with education, qualifications, and a very special skill set, now you're the sophisticated or uppity African-American trying to break the status quo. And I am one of those people. I am a break the status quo, break up the good old boys network, and let's give everybody a chance. But there are everybody a lot of people who, who benefit from white privilege and are part of the status quo who have come to the realization that, that this was all a sort of... Um, fake normal that that there was something wrong that needs to be changed people realize that now a, mm -hmm. a great many people realize that now but aren't really sure what to do next well what they can do is they can get involved they can start going to their local council meetings county commission meetings and just become a part of the government of their, of their local governance, they can do that. And the way you do that is to be at the meetings, to find out what's going on, to find out who are these candidates running for office, what is their message, what is it that they're telling you they want to do to the community and for the community versus what they have done if they've already been in office. And, and you don't have to be a rocket scientist. The proof is always in the pudding or in the batter when you make the cake. I think for my credit union, Tom, and now here, here's the thing, and this is what, what the bylaw says. The only two ways that you can become a credit union board of director is, one, to be nominated by the three people that make up the board nominating committee out of a board of five members. So that's how the white privilege and the good old boys network is protected because they nominate each other and their friends so no one else gets the chance to really serve and be considered a viable candidate when it comes to the nominations. 
the only other way that you can become a viable potential candidate for the board of directors is to do something that is virtually impossible. And especially in these times with COVID-19, they want you to get 500 member signatures. You cannot stand on any of their properties to get those signatures, and they won't give you the member list because it violates the gam leach Biley Act. So with COVID-19, how do you think that's possible when the credit union has not put a COVID-19 plan in place for this election? Because this is the very first election they have had since COVID started this year in 2020. My suggestion would be anybody that's willing to serve that's got the heart and the love of the credit union to serve like I do, that they be nominated by this committee and allow the members to vote. Let the members decide who they want to be on the board of directors, not this nominating committee that keeps nominating the same people over and over and over again. And you ask the question, and it's very valid, is it possible for white police officers to police a black community. And it depends on the relationship. I'll ask you that same question. Yeah, I remember something. Have white privilege and the good old boys network with a membership that is predominantly African American in the credit union. That that's a difficult thing because I, I know from some experience because I belong to a credit union myself that when elections happen I basically ignore them, and I'm not a person who, you know, passes on my right to participate and vote on things. Um, but when, you know, we have so many people who don't participate, and, and this is true in public elections as well. There are so many people who just let somebody else decide. Um, it, it, this is really a call to people to take more action in the things that that affect them publicly and privately. And, That's what matters. And and I certainly uh, I, I certainly respect that opinion. Um, as for your comment about a white police officer being able to be effective in the black community, I have seen it done. Um, and, there, yeah, and it, under and, and, under and various communities, it has to be. It has to be cooperation on that police officer's part to take a vested interest in the people in the community, like getting out of your car, walking through the neighborhood, reaching the people. When people are talking about defunding the police, the police department, they want to see programs that used to exist within the police department that they cut, like the PAL program. And community policing. Program. Yeah, community policing. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And I want to see my credit union become diverse with the board of directors. It is time for a change. You cannot keep the same old people on the board until they pass away and not train the young people. And I'm still a baby boomer. I'm not quite 60 yet, but maybe in the next 30 or 40 years, I might get tired. When I'm 100 <laughs> or 90 years old, I am also training people with what I've learned from some of the community great leaders so that when I get tired, they can step into my place and I can assist them 
by writing a check, making a donation, doing what I can do to uplift them as a Pam, community leader. I, I have to interrupt you here and uh, put a comment there because I have another break coming up. Can you stick around and we'll wrap things up a little bit in the next segment? Tom, you know I can stick around for you. I love you like <laughs> a brother. <laughs> well, thank you, Pam, and uh, thanks to all the listeners and thanks to the caller earlier. The number is 810-339-8255. If you want to join us, we'll be right back. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long format interviews with New York Times bestselling author photographers and writers from National Geographic as well as artists, musicians, candidates and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Thank you, and thank you all for tuning in. You know, we know that tough times don't last, but tough people do. We've been through a lot here in Michigan. We've been through crisis before, where the country needed their countrymen and countrywomen to pitch in collectively to get through a crisis and rise to the occasion. Michigan once was the arsenal of democracy to win World War II. We need that same spirit now. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals and first responders to stop the spread and to save lives. But we need your help too. The state has launched a new volunteer website at www.michigan.gov forward slash fight COVID-19 where trained medical professionals can register to serve their fellow Michiganders by assisting hospitals in fighting COVID-19. State residents can also use the site to find out how they can help in their local communities by giving blood or donating resources or needed medical supplies. Whether you're a medical professional looking to volunteer or you're someone who can give blood or donate to your local food bank, everyone can help out. To get through this, we must all do our part. Stay home, 
stay safe and save lives. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, 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 take it away. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hi, welcome back, everybody. We've been having a, uh, a really interesting conversation about uh, about racism and and how to how to fix it. We're we're trying to explore ways that now that that a lot of people have admitted there's a problem, that uh, what some of the steps are that we can take to change things to to make things work the way they're supposed to work and in the way that. Uh, some of our founding documents uh, imagined and laid out for us uh, here in America, and and talking about that from Southfield, one of my one of my favorite political activists from Oakland, if actually my favorite, I have to say, is uh, Pamela Gerald, and she's been with me by phone. Pamela, it's been really nice talking with you. Tom, all of those wonderful things are going to make it difficult for me to get out of the room. My head is going to be so big. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just getting even with you for what you said right before the break. Um, <laughs> anyway, well, we... you know, you know, Tom. Now, and I just wanted to add this when it when we talk about gender equality, we have a woman that has has really captured captured the hearts of people on an international level. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The notorious people, RBG. The notorious. And she made a comment that I think just really set it off for her. When they said, how do you feel about the name notorious uh, RBG? And there's a rapper named notorious. And she said, well, we have something in common. And you heard the whoo in the audience when she said that and she said both of us are from brooklyn i'm originally oh, from brooklyn new york and this is how we do it the advocacy is very strong well let me poetry, let me ask when this it comes because the lyrics is very strong let me let me ask this pam because we just have uh just about three or four minutes left and i, I want to make sure that we leave people with um Maybe maybe some guidelines where people can find out more. Are there some some resources that you would recommend to people who want to know more about what to do and how how to how to make these changes happen? Tom, if people want to know how to become an activist, uh, a community activist, a diversity activist. They can reach me. I'll give my phone number out. My number is area code 248-346-0439. And whatever I can uh, share with you, I would be willing to do it because we need more activists. And we need activists that's going to speak truth to power 
and tell the people the truth. You have to put the truth out there and let people decipher what it is they want to get from, from what you say, which is your truth. But, Tom, out of all the quotes that I've heard uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg say, one of them sticks out to me, and I can see it in my situation, and I could only imagine if she could make a comment to the board of directors on my behalf, this is what I think she would say. And I'm going to quote, Women belong in all places where decisions are being made. It shouldn't be that women are the exception. I think she would say that on my behalf if she could speak to those board of directors. It's time for a change. You've got to open it up and let people that are willing to serve, serve. And I think I she would say that, union. and I think she would say that about other groups as well, African Americans, yes, Latin X, and and others that have been uh, disenfranchised, or yeah. or 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 just overlooked, underserved. In, Tom, uh, it's always the African American, the brown people, and the poor people, and this is what has to change. Our society has got to become more inclusive. We have got to do that. Pam, as much as I'm enjoying this conversation, we do have to bring it to a close. Um, and, And thank you for sharing your number. Not a lot of people would do that. but I'll share it again. The number is 248-346-0439. And if you want to email me, you can email me at vote. V-O-T-E, Pam, P-A-M, for, F-O-R, chair, C-H-A-I-R, at gmail.com. And that's not meaning chair for the credit union board. This is a previous email address for another endeavor that I had, and I kept it. So it's vote Pam for chair at gmail.com, 248-346-0439. And any members of Security Credit Union that's listening, and I know quite a few of them are, I want you to participate in the virtual meeting that's going to be held October 27, 2020, at 3 o'clock p.m., and it's going to be done via Zoom. This is another way how they exclude the members. They have the meeting at 3 o'clock in the afternoon when they know most of the membership is at work. Well, I know uh, one of my uh, one of my favorite sayings, and I'm not sure where it came from, is decisions get made by people who show up. That's right. And how can you show up when you're on the job? Well, that makes it tough. Your job, anyway, does, they don't want you on the phone at a meeting when you're supposed to be on the job working. That's true. That's how you eliminate people from the process. Well, Pam, we have to end it there, but thank you so much, and I would vote for you for chair for anything. I appreciate you, Tom. <laughs> and you know what? I, I listen to your show, um, and I think that you have some great guests on the show. You give people an opportunity to come on and share a community platform, a political platform, and your show is very informative. And I always knew that your show would be a success because of how you present the content. And I'm not just saying this to blow your head up because you know we talk and we talk on the phone. Yes, we do. And I can just tell whenever you're saying anything to me, I'm able to learn something that I didn't know, but it's the way you present it. We're out of time. Thanks, Pam. Bye-bye. Okay.
trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. 